Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, back on the stick after a few days of a break after getting home from spring training. Had a lot going on this week. Actually uh, popped a tire on my way back around Paducah, Kentucky, so had to go the rest of the way on the donut, change the tire, and uh, was able to get home safely, but then had to get that taken care of and did some substitute teaching yesterday. But hey, we're back with the podcast today and talking some Cardinals as things are getting closer. We're getting much nearer to ramping up and starting the regular season. April 1st is just around the corner. With daylight savings time, I I can never keep it straight whether we're in it or we're not in it and how that works, which one's which. But I know that in the spring, we get more light in the evening time and then allows us to have it be 7 o'clock, 7.15, you can still see outside. And it's only going to get better as the uh, spring and summer progress. So excited about that. Summer is maybe not in the air so much because it's still cold and rainy outside, which is a bummer, by the way. Like, I'm in Florida for two and a half weeks. I hear all about how nice it is up in Missouri. I'm like, well, good for them. I mean, I, I have it nice down here, too, so I can't really complain about missing it. But then when I get back, it goes back to being like this. I'm not a fan of that. Nevertheless... Baseball is going to be here soon, and it's going to be real baseball beginning April 1st. But let's talk right now still about what the Cardinals are dealing with down in Jupiter at spring training as a couple of interesting topics to me are developing and and will continue to develop over the course of the next week or two as we approach the season. And that's one, what's the lineup going to look like when the Cardinals begin the season? And what's the starting rotation going to look like? Two pretty big-picture topics but two that I think we can dive into with some some good details and talk about the way things look as of now and where they could trend moving forward. Let's open up with the starting lineup because today, if you've seen it on Twitter, a couple people have posted it, it looks a lot like what you could see on opening day, with the exception being Matt Carpenter is playing third base and barring something terrible happening, Matt Carpenter will not be playing third base on opening day for the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Nolan Arenado will be doing that. But otherwise, if you look around this lineup, I'm going to read it off to you for the game tonight against the Houston Astros. Forgot to give the date off the top. It's Wednesday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I don't think I'm wearing any green. That's an oversight. Nobody's home right now, though, so that's okay. Can't get pinched. So on here, Wednesday the 17th, Cardinals lineup looks like this. Tommy Edmond at second base leading off. We've we've talked about throughout the spring how, how that looks likely. We've seen him in that position before. We understand that the on-base percentage factor could play in there and, and make Edmond a good play at the top of the lineup. Maybe we'd like to see him take some more walks, but he's certainly a guy that all in all can find his way on base, and when he gets there could potentially do some damage with some stolen bases. It's going to be interesting to see how much the Cardinals run this year. Didn't run very often last year. 
but a lot was different last year, and I wonder if they haven't maybe uh, been preparing with a more concerted effort to make that an element of their game again this season. Of course, though, when you've got the guys in the middle like Goldschmidt and Arenado, you don't want to get thrown out stealing with those guys at the plate because they're capable of extra base hits that'll that'll score you from first base, especially if you're a guy with Tommy Edmonds' speed or Harrison Bader's speed, uh, even Tyler O'Neill, a guy pretty fleet of foot. Uh, not sure what he'll look like as far as stolen bases go, but there are some guys on this roster that can that can scoot a little bit. So going to be interesting to see how they decide to play that. But Edmund off the top and Paul Goldsmith batting second. Now, this is something that has, I guess, established a little bit of consternation among some people. The idea that Dylan Carlson's batting so low in the lineup this spring, which I think is a fair criticism. In today's lineup, he's number seven ahead of only Harrison Bader among Cardinals position players. Now the, the pitchers will begin batting and have begun batting over the last few days. Adam Wainwright will take his hacks tonight as he is on the mound for the Redbirds. But Dylan Carlson batting seventh hasn't had that great of a spring and really has been kind of buried in the lineup. And you wonder, okay, that must just be deference to veterans. But when the regular season begins, you know, this is spring training, so you can it doesn't really matter where you put the guys. But Otherwise, Mike Schultz has really kind of fallen into a pattern where he'll say don't read too much into it, but it really does look like a lineup the Cardinals could conceivably use and in many ways have used in the past, uh, with the exception being you got to find out where Nolan Arenado fits into that because you didn't have a guy like him in the middle before. So when you see the, these things like Carlson batting seventh, and, and that's been a pretty common trend. I don't know about seventh specifically, but he's been down in the order and was the cleanup hitter for this team in the playoffs last year, you know, after falling into that role in the last couple of games of the season, it's where they had him. And so for him to be lower in the order, you wonder, is that something that's just happening for now? Or is that something that could end up sticking? And if Paul Goldschmidt is batting second, I think it's something that could end up sticking, which I've said before on the show, I want, you know, if it were me making up lineup, Goldschmidt would be batting second. You look at the fact that he's He's a power hitter, right? And I don't necessarily buy into the fact that you need your best hitter batting second. That's a uh, a sabermetric viewpoint that has been increasingly common, and the, they would tell you people very into the advanced stats would tell you that's where your best hitter should bat regardless of, of circumstance. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, typically, I would like my biggest power bat to bat third. And I think that would be the case if you had Goldsmith batting second. And the benefit of that is Goldsmith on-base-wise was really, really good last year. He was a better on-base guy than he was a power guy in 2020. I think he's going to be a little bit of both, though, in 2021. So I think from that perspective, if you started off with Edmund, which I'm okay with, uh, you know, it's better than Matt Carpenter, who it wouldn't necessarily surprise you if Matt Carpenter would get a look at leadoff, even though he's he hasn't done anything this spring to merit that. And, and you know, based on performance, shouldn't be in the opening day lineup. Again, I know that Tommy Edmonds has been playing primarily second base, and conventional wisdom would dictate that Tommy Edmonds would start at second base on opening day. It wouldn't shock me if Carpenter started at second and Edmonds in the outfield. I, I don't think I would put it as even a coin flip. It's probably less than a 50-50 chance of that happening, but I don't think it's an impossibility, especially if Carpenter were to get hot over the last week or so of spring training. He, he, as a veteran player, I'm just talking about opening day, Finding his way into that lineup, not necessarily impossible. The standard lineup I expect the Cardinals to go with, though, is going to have more Tommy Edmond in it. 
But, you know, Carpenter's going to get some playing time at the beginning of the year, and so where does that leave Edmund? Because we haven't really seen him in the outfield much this spring. And if you're going to play Carlson, if you're going to play Harrison Bader, if you're going to play Tyler O'Neill, which you should play Tyler O'Neill based on the way he's performing in spring. If we're going to talk about spring stats mattering, uh, this guy's certainly earned an opportunity. And that's, I think, the way a lot of fans would like to see it happen. They're might maybe not falling out of their chair over Tyler O'Neill batting 500 or whatever he is this spring. But I think they would agree that, you know, the production should be what earns you that opportunity. So he's been producing. He should earn that opportunity for left field. I think Lane Thomas should get some playing time as well. And we'll see where Justin Williams fits into this roster or into this lineup. I don't think he will fit into the lineup very early on, but it's a long season and he's going to get his chances. But when it comes to that kind of mixture of Edmund and Carpenter, trying to figure out where that's going to lay, how it's going to align, interesting we haven't really seen Edmund in the outfield, but it's conceivably that's where they'd throw him if Matt Carpenter was playing second base. Or has Edmund a part-time player? Given the way Mike Schilt has favored Tommy Edmond over the last couple of years, there was a time when Randy Arozarena was on this roster or in this organization. He wasn't even on the roster for all of it. And Tommy Edmond was playing in the outfield and Jairo Munoz was playing in the outfield. And I, I bitched and moaned. I complained about that and said, I don't think that's the way it should be. You've got these other guys. Let's, you know, maybe you should find out about what they look like. But that never really happened. And Randy Arozarena is now on the Tampa Bay Rays. And it wasn't really about Tommy Edmond being bad in the outfield. He's To me, he's more of an infielder, but he's clearly capable and athletic enough to do whatever he needs to do, whatever the team asks him to do to get in the lineup. But it's just one of those things where, based on that track record of Tommy Edmond being in the lineup as an outfielder, Mike Schilt being more than willing to, to do that, especially if the bat dictates it, Tommy Edmond's going to play. Matt Carpenter, though, is another guy that Mike Schilt has tried to find ways to get into lineups at times when he, he wasn't performing, even. So if Matt Carpenter shows any inkling of performance, that's going to be an interesting kind of battle for the manager because he's going to have to find... I mean, he doesn't have to, but I think he's going to feel like he's got to find ways to put both these guys in there. But back to the Paul Goldsmith batting second thing. It kind of whips around to everything else that we're going to be talking about because while I think it's a great fit, it does put Dylan Carlson in a little bit of limbo because Carlson also would be a really good prototypical number two hitter. Hits for contact, doubles power, he's going to run into some home runs, has decent speed. You know, he, he, he's a, he would be a very good fit. And people talk about, well, he would see more fastballs too if he batted in front of the big boppers at three and four. So put him in the two hole. I don't have major qualms about that. I don't think it's quite the way it used to be that based on where you bat in the order is going to dictate what pitches you see. I think there's so much advanced data and analytics and the book is out on all these hitters and they do their research. These pitchers do. They're not just going to throw. And I've seen this set about Paul DeYoung bat him second. I've seen this set about Harrison Bader. You could bat him up in the lineup because it'll, it'll impact the, the kind of pitches they see throughout the course of a year. I don't really think I buy into that at all. You might have that happen over the course of a couple of weeks here and there, stretches throughout the season. If you've got a red-hot Goldschmidt or a red-hot Arenado, and you know you you think about David Ortiz in the the 2013 World Series, guys go on those kinds of stretches where you go, hey, you shouldn't pitch to this guy almost no matter what. Now in that case, you could put somebody in front of a guy that's that's running hot like that, and yeah, I think that could impact the kind of pitches he sees. 
because you certainly don't want to put a, a guy on base in front of that guy because then you're kind of forced to pitch to him. So I understand that. But I think throughout the course of a year, generally speaking, if Harrison Bader can't hit breaking balls, guess what the pitchers are going to throw him? They're going to primarily try to hit him with breaking balls. Same thing if it's Dylan Carlson. It doesn't matter who it is betting in that two-hole. Paul DeYoung, in my opinion, I, I just think pitchers are too good nowadays to to say, oh, well, Arnado's on deck. I guess I have to throw this guy a fastball, even though he crushes fastballs. That's not going to happen. I just don't I just don't buy into that. So while I do think there would be a benefit to Carlson batting second, because I think he fits there, I think Goldschmidt fits there better. And so that's what I was saying before spring training even started. That's where I would go. And at first, that isn't where Mike Schilt went, but he, I think he totally understood. He's got all spring to figure this out, and he wanted to tinker with some things and, and, and see some different things. That's what he's continued to say about the lineup. He wants to see how it looks. Well, he continues to use this formation with Goldsmith second, and I think he likes how it looks. Before, I didn't necessarily love Goldsmith batting second because then I thought, well, who's batting third for you in St. Louis? Paul DeYoung? Okay, if he's batting third, who's batting fourth? Yachty? Like, it just, they didn't have the, the boppers in the middle to be able to justify batting Goldsmith that high in the lineup. I think you need a strong heart of your of your order, of your batting order, guys that can drive in runs, and runs, and put the guys that can get on base ahead of those guys at the front, if that's the luxury that you're afforded. The Cardinals right now are afforded the luxury of having a guy that could kind of be a blend of both and, and Goldsmith, and you get the extra benefit if he gets to bat one extra time, potentially, in certain games because he's a little bit higher in the lineup. And then you've got Nolan Arenado, who I think is perfect for batting third. I would not want Nolan Arenado to be on my team and not have him bat in the first inning. I don't. I want to guarantee that guy comes to the plate if I'm the manager of a team that has Nolan Arenado on it. So I think Edmund Goldsmith Arenado that looks great. Now Carpenter's batting third and playing third tonight, as I mentioned. That's not going to be the case on opening day. Go ahead and cross his name out at third base and put Arenados in there, and I think. We're still on track to see a very opening day-like lineup. Okay, moving to number four. That's where it gets interesting. Because I said on the podcast, even before spring training, this is where I'd bat Dylan Carlson. I think he's the next best hitter on this team, or at least capable of being that. And and again, this was before Tyler O'Neill kind of started running really hot. If he's hitting like this, Tyler O'Neill, boom, he's your cleanup man. He's batting lower in the, the, the lineup today. We'll get to that in a moment. But for me, I think I, I don't need to see Dylan Carlson prove anything to me to start putting him in the cleanup role. Go ahead and just put him in the cleanup role and let his status as a top prospect, his abilities as a baseball player, let those take over. I don't need it to be the other way around. The Cardinals went through this for years with Mike Matheny as the manager. You know, Colt Wong buried in the order and then eventually, oh, he's good enough to be your leadoff man. But it took a long time in St. Louis for, for Wong to be recognized as that kind of player. I don't think that there's any benefit to having Carlson bat in second when you, or pardon me, seventh when you get to the regular season and just saying, well, if he proves it, then maybe we'll move him up. I think he showed at the end of last season kind of what you knew he could do, what you've been waiting to see all along from him in 2020, what you saw from him in the minors. He's an impact player. By the way, he would also be a really good leadoff hitter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have any issues with that if you find yourself in a position where Tommy Edmond is not producing the way you think. But the reason that I don't give a lot of thought to that is because I just tend to think that if Schilt has decided that Edmond is going to be the leadoff guy that he wants to roll with, that it's going to be that way until Edmond really struggles with it. And, you, and then, you know, you might have to find a, a different way around that. But Carlson was a leadoff guy throughout the minors as well. 
He's got experience in that role, and I think he could be great there. And so you think, well, why would you put a guy that you just said could be a great leadoff hitter at cleanup? Those are kind of really two different spots. To me, it just boils down to the fact that I want Carlson batting next. I, I, And I don't think that Paul DeYoung, who's the cleanup man today, I don't think Paul DeYoung is necessarily um, in a position where I feel really, really comfortable with that. He hasn't had a very good spring. He did hit a home run off of Jack Flaherty in a sim game the other day. So, you know, there's a little bit of a feather in his cap. But otherwise, hasn't been a great spring for Paul DeYoung. And so he's a guy where I would say maybe why do you need the pressure of batting cleanup? And maybe he's a guy who the pressure doesn't get to him and it's totally fine. But I would think putting DeYoung a little bit in the order, just from the way I feel the lineup would jibe with that, makes a lot of sense to me. But it's DeYoung fourth. Yadier Molina fifth, again, you're going to really struggle to find Yadier Molina lower than number five or number six in a Cardinals lineup. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Unless O'Neill is raking and Carlson is raking and probably Paul DeYoung too, I don't see how you get Yadi down to even as low as number seven very often. He's number five tonight. Would expect that on opening day that he would be. O'Neill six. Yeah, no problem with that. Uh, he's been great. He'll be your starting left fielder unless something happens with Carpenter where he finds his way into second base and Edmund needs to go out there. And then you've got to figure something out between Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, And that's before you even get to mention Lane Thomas. And then Harrison Bader batting behind Dylan Carlson at eighth. That's probably where he'll be. And then Adam Wayne right ninth. So while there are some differences between what I would do and, and what I expect the manager of the Cardinals would do, and that's okay. This is the lineup that I think you're going to see pretty uh, pretty much with a lot of similarities anyway on opening day. So I kind of gave you where I think I would maybe stray a little bit from it, but you know, Paul DeYoung, batting cleanup, that would not be something that surprises me, especially on opening day. As the season evolves, if O'Neill is hitting, yeah, you could see him there. Could Carlson force his way into that conversation? Certainly. Uh, DeYoung is going to have to perform more consistently than he has this spring in order to maintain that spot. But I think that's a spot that the Cardinals have had comfort with the young being. I know when Ozuna was here, he was kind of the cleanup man, but we've seen Paul DeYoung in that spot since then. And, uh, you know, I think if Goldschmidt's up batting number two, now that's the other thing. You could go the other way with this. If, if you really think Carlson as a prototypical, either lead off or number two guy, you could go Edmund Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and then the pressure is a little bit off of DeYoung if he's batting five or six. But I, I, I like I like that look with Goldschmidt batting second. We'll see what that ends up looking like. But for a guy like Arenado who drives in as many runs as he can, you could have Goldschmidt if he homers, great. Otherwise, he's going to be probably in scoring position for the guy behind him who also has a little bit of a track record when it comes to hitting home runs and extra base hits. So. I think the Cardinals lineup could be pretty solid. Some of the keys are going to be Ken Carlson be, you know, he has to be better than he was last year, but so does everybody else in the lineup, this side of Goldschmidt, honestly. And Arenado's got to be better than he was last year, too. He wasn't, his OPS was like 750-something last year, but you kind of write that off for a lot of reasons, just like I think you do with a lot of the other Cardinals in the lineup. But O'Neill got to be way better. Edmonds got to be way better. Carlson's got to be much better. Uh, DeYoung's got to be better. Yachty is probably going to be what he is. He's going to hit for a decent average. Not going to take many walks. He's going to have some clutch hits, though. 
But that's also why I think Yachty should be batting closer to, to seven than five. But, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. And Harrison Bader does not have to be better. Notice I didn't say his name. He doesn't. As much grief as he gets from Cardinals Twitter and stuff like that, Harrison Bader does not have to be better than he was last year. If he's the same as he was last year, that is perfectly fine. It's actually really good. Because if he if he's 779 OPS over the course of a full season, um, he's probably like a four-win player. That should be really, really good. Be one of the most valuable players on the team. And he's batting eighth most of the time. So, yeah, just get get what you can get from him. And just league average offense would be great. But everybody else that I mentioned that has to be better, their offense was below league average last year. So even if they get up to become an average offense on on all of those counts, if each of those guys I named, Edmund, even DeYoung, who I, I don't know off the top of my head where he was, but it had to be below 100 if you're talking about runs created plus or OPS plus. Yachty, I don't don't really count him within this, but Carlson certainly and O'Neal certainly. Getting those guys to be 100 in whatever metric you like to use, OPS plus, weighted runs created plus, I would say that would put the Cardinals in a position to be a really good team because I think Goldschmidt, the expectation would be he's going to be above that. Arnado's going to be above that. And, you know, one of those guys probably that I said get to average is probably going to be able to be above that. And so Cardinals aren't built necessarily to have a juggernaut lineup. They say they like their lineup as well they should. You know, it'd be concerning if they didn't, at least internally, like their lineup. <laughs> because the fans have the ability to critique from the outside, but inside, at least you, hopefully you're going into the season with some confidence as a team. But they don't have to be built that way. They're built on really, really strong defense. Gold Glover at first, former Gold Glover, at, a catcher who you know, still can perform at a Gold Glove level. Gold Glover at third. Gold Glove candidate at shortstop has been in the past. Edmund could certainly turn himself into a Gold Glove candidate at second. I wouldn't go that far that he is that already, but uh, he's he's an athletic defender. There's no question about that. O'Neill won it and left. Bader, I, I think, is on his way to winning one in center. And Carlson can be a very average to above average defender. Certainly, he's a he's an athletic kid just like the rest of them. So, really, really good defense. But then the question is pitching. So let's get into that rotation. Because for a little while, it was looking pretty bleak if you thought you were losing Miles Michaelis and Kwon Young Kim for a period of time, which, as it seemed like, was the possibility and, to be honest, could still be the possibility. We don't know how either of these guys are going to recover from their current injuries with Michaelis and the shoulder and Kwon Young Kim in the back. Kim has been throwing, going through treatment, um, making his progress back toward pitching again for the Cardinals may not be ready by opening day necessarily. I think it's too soon to say definitively one way or the other on that. Not too soon to say for Michaelis, definitively he won't be ready for opening day. I don't know if the team has said that officially. Like, when when the pushback happened a couple of weeks ago and they finally said, you know, this is obviously going to impact his schedule, that's kind of what that means. He's not going to be on the opening day roster. Because even if he's healthy and good to go, he'll need some time to build back up. So then you're talking about John Gant or Daniel Ponce de Leon for one of those rotation spots. But for a little bit there, and and like I said, could still be the case, it wouldn't surprise me to see both those guys in the rotation out of necessity because it's possible Kim isn't quite ready yet. And if that's the case, okay. You know, rock and roll with those guys you have, and you're going to have to hope you can get the most out of Gant and Ponce. And then it's really, if that's the case, if that's how the season begins, and say two turns through the rotation, Either one or both of those other guys will be back, Michaelis and Kim. 
it's kind of a competition between Ponce and Gant to see who holds that fifth spot down as the season goes. Because, look, Michaelis could be ready, but if he's not for a while, would that surprise anyone when you're talking about a shoulder? Not really. And so Kim, I think, is more likely to be able to, to get back quicker and be healthy when he returns. And so you'd still have one spot, assuming still that Wainwright, Flaherty, and Carlos Martinez are your other starters, which I think is fair to do at this point. I know I've had to kind of come around on that from Carlos, but, you know, if he's if he's healthy and he's pitching well enough, I think they're going to certainly give him that chance because, they're I mean, they're paying him starters money. We've talked about that before, too. And if they think at his best he can be better than than what you think you're going to expect out of Gant or Ponce, then you're going to, you know, or, or Oviedo, I guess, would be the next guy in line. Jake Woodford, maybe, probably could be a, a guy at Memphis. I don't know what his options situation is. Obviously, he was kind of in a, a flex role last year out of the bullpen for the Cardinals, but last year was different, although this year could be different. You know, you're still going to need some pitching help. Mike Schultz did say today that Oviedo is a guy they're viewing as depth, starting depth. He's not going to transition to a bullpen role. That's not... Not a thing for him. Even though he throws hard, has a good slider, that's not really going to be the, the path that he's on this year. Because you got to have extra starters. you got to have innings. So, you know, losing Austin Gomber, that's not going to be it's not going to be a small loss. I know that, you know, universally that trade was lauded and should be. You, if you can get an impact guy like Arnado, you got to take your shot. But Gomber is going to be really good. I think he's going to have a good season, even though he went to Colorado, where it's harder to pitch. I think he's going to be good. Get him in fantasy is what I would say. I've got him in a keeper league, and I'm going to have to make another trade before the draft to make sure I've got room to keep him on my roster because I'm loaded. But I think I've got to find a way to keep Gomber. I think he's going to have a good year. So you lose that kind of guy from your rotation death if you're the Cardinals. You already have two injuries in spring. Maybe they're not long-term injuries, but look out to see how Gant and Ponce both do over the next few weeks. And then as we get into the season if they're both in the the starting role that I would say, you know, before I said not a better than equal chance about something else about this, I'd say better than equal. At least a coin flip that you'd see both those guys in the rotation and that you'd see Michaelis need a little more time and and Kim need a little more time. I think Kim, though, given just like the the regimen and and what he does physically, if he's feeling good, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the rotation if he makes even one additional spring start, even if it's only like three or four innings. I wouldn't be surprised if he were able to, via translator, or pardon me, interpreter, talk his way into that into that start. Cardinals obviously want to be careful with their pitching for sure. But with the way they've treated Kim, they treated him like a veteran. Not because he's, you know, a second-year guy in MLB, but he's been doing this for a decade or whatever. You know, he's 32, 33 years old, whatever he is. And so for KK, I think they're going to be a little more willing to trust him, take him at his word, that if he has even one outing where he looks like himself, looks healthy, that might be enough. And so based on his schedule of trying to get back into, you know, the swing of things, is that going to be allowable with what the calendar will present to you before April 1st? Or really April, you know, 5th or 6th. they got some off days in the first couple of weeks, and he may not have to be your first pitcher. So going to be interesting to see how he comes along. Um, but why like to have that lefty in your rotation? And he's kind of the guy after you traded Gomber. So going to be interesting to see. But that's kind of the way I, I see things shaking out as of right now for the Cardinals. We talked about the lineup, talked about the rotation. 
Injury news will obviously be something to follow as the next couple of weeks unfold because that's going to impact what they can do with Gant, what they can do with Ponce de Leon, and you know, if anybody else like Oviedo could force his way into the conversation, I think it's a little early for that. And and whether he starts at Double A or, or Memphis, Memphis is probably pretty likely, but um, going to be interesting to see kind of how he progresses too. So that's what we've got for today's episode. I appreciate you guys for joining me, and we'll be ramping up. We'll be continuing to do Cardinals-based episodes as we go along here uh, with the NCAA tournament March Madness coming up. By the way, send me a direct message if you're interested in any brackets or anything like that. Uh, but Going to be maybe trying to talk some college basketball as we go along. I can lament about Missouri and how they drew uh, Gonzaga if they can get past Oklahoma in round one. That's no fun. But uh, we'll see what, what the uh, next couple of days bring. Cardinals take on the Astros tonight on Wednesday. So tomorrow, probably for a podcast, we'll be able to recap the action there and let you know about any new news that's going on with the St. Louis baseball team. Appreciate you guys for joining me. Make sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the rest of the places you can find it over at anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Check out the More Platforms tab, and you can locate the podcast, subscribe, sign up, follow, whatever it is, wherever you need to be able to stay updated on the show. Appreciate you guys once again for sticking with me, and we'll talk to you next time.